Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. And today we have a special guest who is very passionate about his music, passionate about performing, but also passionate about preserving the history of all the Kingston bands who have ever played here or who continue to play here and entertain audiences right across the city and beyond. Larry Stafford is his name. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. Great. We'll get you to lean in a little closer to the mic there. That would be great. Now, for those of you listening today who have attended shows at the Grand Theater, at the K-Rock Center, at the old Memorial Center, you might remember seeing Larry running around making sure the sound is perfect for the show, whether it be music shows or theater or whatever. You've spent a lot of time in the theaters. I have, actually. I uh, have been working as part of crew and now more on the management side at the Grand Theater for about 35, 40 years. So I don't like to put an exact date on that. But yes, uh, and I've had my own private sound and lighting companies in Kingston as well, which, uh, you know, has... Uh, Put me in the, in the spotlight a lot more often than uh, you would would think. Hopefully, but. and doing a good job. Well, thank you. All the way along. Now we're going to approach the show from two angles. We're going to talk about your musical career, but we're also going to talk about a little side project that at times I think probably overwhelms you in terms of the volume that ends up uh, happening with this particular side project. But let's go back to um, your musical career now. You couldn't help but be involved in music because your dad used to own a music shop in town. That's right, and he also was a a, uh, trumpet player and had his own dance bands back from when he left the army after the second war and uh, so yeah it was a musical family i started playing trumpet myself in public school uh so it's been a long long career in music for sure now let's talk about um some of the bands that you've been in and some of the different kinds of music that you have played so i don't know if you mentioned um how long you've been playing but I started. We can be honest here and yeah. say <laughs> in actual it's bands, been a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I don't mind. Uh, it's it's approaching fifty years that I've been playing in bands as such, where you would have a, a name of a band. Uh, I think I started uh, mentioned earlier there uh, in high school with a couple of throw together things that really didn't even have names uh, in '63. So. Um, I actually really started playing in bands when the Beatle thing happened in 1964. I started uh, playing in actual bands then. Interesting that you should mention that, because if we talk about what influenced people to get involved in music, uh, and you were uh, suggesting that it was the Beatles and the British invasion that sort of stimulated people to go out and get a drum kit or buy themselves an electric guitar, it wasn't Elvis that did that. It was more the Beatles. Do you have any sense as to why? Uh, well, again, the Elvis thing, there, there, there were local musician followers of Elvis back even in the late 50s. When I, you know, long before I started, um, and uh, but it all exploded when the British thing happened. I think it was because 
even if you couldn't sing or you you couldn't play the drums well maybe i can play bass guitar instead you know so everybody it was a <laughs> with heyday. apologies to the bass players yeah. around <laughs> well it was a heyday in the music store scene for my dad and all the other stores in the area uh every kid uh, on every corner was playing in a band so the sales were good you know for sure and i i definitely think it, it it changed big when when the British invasion happened. Mm-hmm. When you started playing in bands, what sort of music were you guys playing back then? Usually just commercial, right off the radio type hits. I started uh, the first band that I, I really played out in, uh, playing keyboards and, and doing some singing, harmony singing. I didn't sing lead at all in those days. Um, and uh, because I uh, played trumpet right through school, um, a little later on, when when that started to become a big thing, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Chicago, Tower of Power, my favorite type of bands, uh, uh, I switched over and played a lot more trumpet than I did keyboards. Mm-hmm. I started singing a lot more, too. We could, we could sort of go on all kinds of tangents here with respect to music and music that we've had the opportunity to hear in this town. And I'm going to take a little side trip here because you mentioned the trumpet and because you mentioned brass in a rock band. Go back to the Chicago concert that happened here not that long ago. I was at that. And so was I. Mm-hmm. It was an awesome show, one of the best shows I've seen in town, personally. Yep. And... One of the things that I really enjoyed as part of that show, what, uh, the trombone player, and I can't remember, is it Pankow? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, James Pankow, I think That's it right. is? Yeah. Okay, so he's playing the trombone, and these guys have played concerts, I don't know, for how many years, 40 or 50 years, and he looked like he was having a whale of a time playing, and he was the guy who was getting the audience all revved up. Yeah, during the course sure. of that. Yeah. And that's something I really enjoy about a show mm-hmm. is seeing the band indicate that they're having a good time and it's not just a paying gig for them. Oh, it's funny you mention that because I've I've stressed that to a lot of bands I've I've been in and uh I think even on a much smaller scale for bands that were playing in clubs uh in the Kingston area when I was in with the horn bands, uh and usually they're seven-piece bands. Uh, so for people that aren't just crowding the dance floor, that are actually watching the band perform, there's always something there to watch. There's some excitement going on. Oh, lucky, you know, there's a big horn section, and they're, they've got some basic choreography moves, or, you know, they've got two girl singers in this band. Uh, you know, it's amazing. So there's always something fresh and new to, to entertain the audience, mm-hmm. uh, much more readily than in, say, a four-piece guitar rock band, you know. So when you started playing, you were sort of copying what was on the radio, what was popular at the time. So as your playing evolved, the the kind of music you play uh, evolve as well? Oh, absolutely. You know, again, uh, I've been in some bands where it's strictly cover band. You take the record and you try and learn it note for note. Uh, or then I've been in some other bands where you get a little room to stretch your legs, as they say, and uh, I did that to try and learn to improvise and be able to take a solo on the spot. Somebody turns to you and says, you know, way you go, take a piano solo. And of course, the first 20 years of my musical career, I didn't do any of that, so I, I, I like to stretch out that way and even fool around with a little bit of original material too you know how hard is that to to do when you've been doing the cover band approach for years entertaining folks who are coming to expect certain kinds of music from you and then you throw in an original tune uh i've always said and sometimes not even an original tune but a tune that you're 
ninety percent sure nobody's ever heard before. <laughs> and you're gonna you're gonna steal a song. I, I was in a band where we we were playing Boz Skaggs before anybody had ever heard of Boz Skaggs. So, to them in the audience, that was an original tune. You know, you could have said you wrote it, and they would have never known the difference. But, uh, it 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 if you mix them up, if you play three songs they know right off the radio and bang while they're on the dance floor you throw in one that's a, a good beat to it that's original uh the crowd will appreciate it just mm -hmm. as much just as much and they'll continue dancing that's right i remember people walking out singing lyrics from a song that we had played earlier that evening that i am sure they had never heard that song before mm -hmm. uh but it stuck with them it was a song that had a familiar hook to it that you know and these girls were walking out of the bar saying, I said, boy, you, you know that song? And they said, no, we just heard you play it. And that's the first they'd ever heard it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From a band's perspective, when you're playing and there's dancing available for people, what's more important to you as a band member is for people to be listening to you or getting up and dancing? Oh, no, I we're, it's, there's nothing better that for a band than to have the dance floor full, uh, not only for bar sales, but it just makes the, the night much more enjoyable for the band if you know that people are, are enjoying it. And whether they're sitting watching and not dancing, I mean, you know, keep in mind that musicians aren't dancers, so <laughs> <laughs> they never had time to learn to dance. They're too busy. Um, so... Um, whether they're just sitting back and watching, but it's always nicer when you do have people on the dance floor, yeah, I think. We talked a little bit earlier on about the importance in rock of the brass section, mm -hmm. and so there's a good example of that sort of song. Yeah. Now, that's just one sax player in there, mind you. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a big horn band, but uh, yeah, it's Steve Kennedy just playing the saxophone with that band. You've got all these names, don't you? Well... <laughs> Some of them are a little hard to think of, and I, you know, surprisingly on on my Facebook uh, connections, I'm, I'll run into somebody that I'd totally, totally forgotten about. You know, I'm particularly big on the Canadian music scene. though. it's my that's my thing. For sure. We alluded to it at the beginning of the show, so let's talk about it. The Facebook page is called Kingston History of Bands. That's correct. Yeah. And I want the listening audience to grab a pen and paper and write that down. Kingston History of Bands. Because if you have lived in Kingston for any length of time and have enjoyed different components of the music scene, that's a place to go. I know that when you, you and I were talking about it, and I was just sitting there and I was going through page after page after page, looking at the people, and let's go way back let's talk about how all of this got started way back to your dad's record store yeah well um i collected all the, the bands that would come in that were performing anywhere in kingston of course in the, in the music store and say can we pin this up and of course they'd never come back so i would keep the uh the pictures and put them in a scrapbook and saved all i could uh, and I, I wish I'd saved more, to be honest with you. Uh, but so a, a friend of mine uh, said, you know, you should start a Facebook page and, and start, you know, doing the history of, of Kingston bands. So I, I did just that, thinking it would be small scale, but it took off so rapidly. And then uh, I invited people to send me pictures and I'd post them. And uh, what I've d tried to do is break it down into different uh, eras and categories, uh, types of music. Uh, there's a section, uh, memorials to uh, those great musicians in Kingston that have passed on, uh, things like that. And uh, I think there's somewhere in the vicinity, somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 pictures in there now. So it's it's really exploded, and, and uh, it'll slow down for a while, and then all of a sudden 
I'll get an influx. Somebody will send me in a bunch of uh, new pictures. And I, I encourage uh, new bands, young fellows, to to send in the pictures of their bands, too. I'll post them all. Uh, it's good promotion, and uh, it's there forever, hopefully. Uh, we have a website, too, but I haven't got everything transferred in there so that uh, if uh, – couple of years from now facebook isn't the isn't the popular uh, media source that there'll still be preserved there on an actual website one of the things i noticed about looking through the pictures of the various bands going back to the 40s in some cases is the fashion oh yeah the clothes yeah Yeah, what we all wore back then yeah it's uh, it's amazing and as as you say uh uh, going way back before my time, before I was born, there's pictures of bands from the 40s. Of course, my dad played in dance bands in those days. So there's there's some of that in there. There's some old family country-type bands from the area that didn't know anybody in the picture at all. And then gradually people would see it on, on Facebook and they'd say, well, that's my uncle so-and-so. And, mm-hmm. and, and we were able to name everybody in that picture. That was one of the real amazing ones, you know, where eventually we got everybody's name that was in that picture. Because you know? you'll go back in and put the names in. Yeah, as people submit it and say, well, that's my uncle Jack or something, then I'll message them and say, can you tell me who any of the other people are? And, mm-hmm. and eventually you nail it down, you know. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the names of some of the people whose pictures are there. Mm-hmm. We talked about... Uh, uh, one particular name before we play the song, and that's Bernie Dobbin. Oh, yes. Bernie Dobbin, what, did he play, or was he just in management? He did play. <laughs> he played in bluegrass bands, a mandolin player, uh, right up to the end. Unfortunately, Bernie left us so, it must be 15 years ago now, or I'm guessing. But uh, Bernie uh, formed an agency in Kingston right when the, all the bands were forming, and he went out and found work for the bands all through the Ottawa Valley. I mean, Bernie went on to much bigger uh, things later on with uh, Colleen Peterson and went to Nashville with her. And uh, she recorded with Glenn Campbell and uh, she was the singer in the Charlie Daniels band. So he did do some big things uh, too, but uh, Street Noise was his uh, pet band for quite a while. He just loved the band and he really took a personal interest in us. Uh, and uh, yeah, he certainly kept us working a lot for a lot of years, as he did for all the bands in the Kingston area. Mm-hmm. Another name, a couple of names, and I, I've sort of arbitrarily chosen a couple of names simply because I know them. Uh, Bill Jocelyn ah, is Bill. one. Yeah, Bill has been in a lot of bands, and I saw his picture in a lot of different uh, time periods. So mm-hmm. give me a chronology of some of the bands he's played in over the years. Well, Bill actually started I, uh, before me. and so. <laughs> and I know Does that I'm, mean he's older than you are? Uh, no, I think, we're, I think we're the same age. But uh, he just started at a very young age, and he bought his very first guitar at my dad's music store, which we've talked about lots of times. Um, so he started real interest in rock and roll back in, I'd say, probably 1960. Uh, and started playing professionally shortly thereafter. Um, he uh, did a long run with Georgette Fry in the uh, Running Shoe Review band that they called, and they had an album. Um, Bill played in a band called Two Minute Hate, which was during the uh, the Jimi Hendrix uh, cream type time with the power trios, just guitar, bass, and drums. And 68, yeah, 69, yeah, somewhere Yeah, that's right. There. Yeah, yeah, late 60s. And uh, uh, he's played in some country rock bands. He played with Doug McClement and, and Jeff Green in a band called Comfort for quite some time, uh, which was a little more folk country type of thing. So he's got 
a lot of roots. He's played in a lot of different things. He played in Dan Aykroyd's backup band more recently. Also. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing where some of these little stories and details come out about these people. Yeah. Uh, Bill's been a figure in this in the music scene in just about as long as anyone now. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Michael Myers. Ah, the, the hardest working musician in Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> Michael plays more than anybody I know, and uh, I always have a huge respect for anybody in this area the size of Kingston that can do nothing but play music to make their living. It usually means playing in four or five different formats. Mike plays solo just by himself. He's done all kinds of work uh, at the retirement homes and things like that. Just uh, he's always been that way. He does a duo on the crew. Did a duo on the cruise ships or yeah. the like to cruise a thousand islands. Yeah, he still does that every yeah. summer with the uh, with uh, Spencer Evans. Currently, uh, he has a rock band uh, that does British a lot of British rock stuff from the sixties. Uh, just a lot of, and he has a big band, uh, big fat horn band is one that. Uh, packs the uh, RCHA club every time they play there and it's about a I think it's a 11 or 12 piece band so it's it's a big that's band. a big band for that room lately he's gone more into uh, he loves to sing jazz ballads he does the Bobby show where he does all of the old Bobby ballad singers Bobby Darren Bobby Vinton all that stuff mm-hmm. there's quite an evolution of for some of these people who have uh, made Kingston their home and continue to live here and play here mm-hmm. over the years going back to the 50s and the 60s all the way up to today. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, as I say, to uh, to make your entire living at playing in bands. And, and uh, there is a small number of people that do in Kingston, and I've always admired the fact that they, they are able to do that. For me, it's, it's a hobby, and that's always uh, an issue when you get in a band where some of the players are trying to make a living at music, and me, I'm not... I'm not worrying about uh, how much we play, just that we are, in fact, <laughs> still able to play. <laughs> <laughs> the fingers still work and the vocal yeah, cords still yeah. work. You've talked a bit about how um, many bands there were, the quality of the bands that Kingston has seen over the years. What do you see going forward? What do you see as the kind of influence that um, musicians can take from the city? Well, Kingston's always had a vibrant music scene. Everybody admits to that. Unfortunately, to really make a full-time career of it, other than you know playing like Mike Myers does around the area, you have to take off if you want, especially if you want to get into the whole recording world. Although that's become easier to do out of your home these days, too. Um, but you know, it's still going to always be Toronto as the mainstay. Vancouver has a, a its own scene there. Montreal has. Um, but uh, in in the old older times, back in the '60s, '70s, uh, it was again that much harder to get the big breaks uh, for Canadian bands. They almost, you see, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, and all they had to go to the United States to to become the successes that they did. Um, I don't think that's the situation now. I think a lot of young musicians that are coming up can really jump up the ladder fast whether and and even based out of Kingston you know the glorious sons is an example of a young group right now that's really taken off uh, and their whole history has only been about five years you know and of course we don't need to uh, discuss tragically hip we know where that led to so mm-hmm. you know I worked with those guys when they were you know just in college and it was just thrown together for a fun band and no no uh, no uh, intention to do anything near what they did you mm-hmm. know? 
And it seems today, too, that uh, when you are recording, like you said, you can record in your own home and and put out a good quality product. (laughs) And I think the product is meant more these days to advertise the live performance as opposed to what it may have been in the 60s and 70s where you were recording to sell records. You're not selling as much product these days, I would guess, or it could be wrong. No, that's very true. I mean, again, when you say uh, live performance recordings, I've always, because I've always played in live situations, some of my favorite albums are the live albums because Mm -hmm. you get that crowd spontaneity with it. It does things for the band. Uh, if there's a mistake, hey, there's a mistake. It's there. You know, it's not. It doesn't have to be perfect every time. You know. Right, Larry. I want to thank you very much for coming in today. Certainly appreciated the time that you've given us. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Jim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.